Hey everybody, Chris Fafalius here. If you enjoy One Hit Thunder, which I'm assuming you do considering you're listening to it right now, I want to tell you about another great music podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. It's called Riffs on Riffs. On this season of Riffs on Riffs, hosts Toby Braswell and Joe Watson are breaking down one iconic pop song each week. Everything from Taylor Swift's Cruel Summer to Journey's Don't Stop Believin' to Naughty by Nature's OPP. Each week, they crack open the song, trace its history, decode those cryptic lyrics, and unearth the hidden gems in its musical DNA. Not only do they dive into the song's history, lyrics, and impact, they also go down some fun and oftentimes hilarious rabbit holes. So yeah, if you're a fan of One Hit Thunder, I think you'll also enjoy Riffs on Riffs. So go hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Well, I don't know. Everyone has a podcast now. Well, not really. What is true is that, according to Nielsen statistics, 55% of the U.S. population, that's over 155 million people, have listened to a podcast, and 24% of the population, that's 68 million people, listen to podcasts weekly. And these numbers continue to trend upward. What's also true is that over 75% of all podcasts fade away after the first few episodes. It could be for a variety of reasons, lack of strong concept, poor production value, people not realizing how much time needs to be dedicated to it, or simply just not knowing how to get the word out about podcasts. That's where WeKnowPodcasting.com comes in. At WeKnowPodcasting.com, we have a combined 25 years of podcast experience, and we can help you achieve your podcasting goals. Whether you need help starting a new podcast or want to take your currently active podcast to the next level, we got you. From consultations to concept development, from theme music to editing, promotion, animation, graphics, you name it and we're here to help. Don't become another failed podcast statistic. Let us guide you and help your show become a success. Check out the website at WeKnowPodcasting.com. And even if you're on the fence, don't hesitate to reach out. We're friendly guys, we're passionate about pods, and we're here to help. The song Popular is an unforgettable, grungy, spoken word piece that doesn't necessarily fit into the rest of the Not A Surf catalog. This week, we're joined by Chris183 of the High School Never Ends podcast, and together, we try to avoid a flowery, emotional speech about what we think about this band, and we hope that everyone will appreciate the straightforward manner in which we decide whether this 1996 hit is thunder or a blunder. Don't make a big production. Don't make up an elaborate story. This will help you avoid a big tear-jerking scene. If you want to date other people, say so. Be prepared for the boy to feel hurt and rejected. Even if you've gone together for only a short time and haven't been too serious, there's still a feeling of rejection when someone says she prefers the company of others to your exclusive company. One hit is all you need to make the money guaranteed. And you can live off royalties forever. And it makes me wonder, is it just a All right, so the mid to late 90s were a very big time for songs with spoken word verses. We're talking, it was the time of the butthole surfers. It was the time of not a surf. 
And that's what we're, we're here to talk about today, Chris. We're talking about Not A Surf. And so you chose this song. Why'd you choose this song? Yeah, man. Ever since I saw this song for the first time back in 96 when I was in high school and a teenager, it just, I, I couldn't stop watching this. Like this video. So it was the video, obviously, that, that sucked me in. But it was just so different than everything else that I saw that was out there. Yeah, it's kind of, I, I don't know, what the, definitely is different than any other Not A Surf song. And it's kind of their worst song, honestly. Like I, because it's it's almost not a song. It's kind of like a yeah, it's like slam poetry in a way with with the chorus. I spoke about this on the Butthole Surfers episode that I have covered Pepper. That same show I also covered Popular. And in doing research, what I found out about the song that made me like it a lot more. Is do you know where the verses come from? Oh, Chris knows. I do. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't. I couldn't tell you specifically, but I think that I heard at one point in time in an interview that he actually took it out of a 1950s book that basically was advice for for teens on yep. certain things. Is that correct? Yeah. So he literally found this book from the 50s, and I'm going to pull up the title of the book. It's from Penny's Guide to Teenage Charm and Popularity. And he just was like, this advice is so awful that I'm going to sarcastically read it. And I've given credit to this song. I have no evidence of this, but I'm confident that the first three albums by the band Me Without You were insanely inspired by just this song by Nata Surf. Okay, yeah. They're very spoken wordy, wordy, but that's pretty cool. And it kind of makes sense the way things are worded here now when I look at these lyrics. Do you guys agree with these lyrics, I, I've been I've been looking at them like, hmm, does this make sense? Like keeping your hair spotless and clean and only washing it once every two weeks. Yeah, what's up yeah. with that? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was I was really confused when I first heard that uh, back in the day. So uh, yeah, I don't think that works, right? No, I, I do it every I, two days. I wash my hair. That's about it. I, I, can you be popular if you? Wash your hair once every two weeks? I don't think so. I think that would be the antithesis of popularity. <laughs> I mean, so if this is from a book from the 50s, maybe you didn't wash your hair as often. I don't know if you wash your hair too much, that it can get very dry. Yeah. And maybe that's, the, you also have to imagine that this was probably not a, a book for all teens, but very much specifically for a teenage girl. Right. Okay. Because they're referring to like Johnny Football Hero and mm -hmm. like stuff like that. Like that's what I think is really. F I've never known that piece of information until this weekend. But I'm like, that is almost funnier that it is verbatim this book. You, right. you know what else just blew my mind from what you just said? So you just said the name of where they got this from was Penny's. Penny's Guide to Teenage Charm and Popularity. At the beginning of the song, do you hear the cheerleader say, "Oh, I don't care. I got." pennies yeah isn't that what she's talking she about says, then? yeah she's referring to the book in the opening conversation oh, yeah, i never knew that that's yeah. crazy <laughs> yeah and it's got it's definitely got that weezer the sweater song yeah. sort of vibe to it i mean it's i did you um, a favor when i wrote down the lyrics because the first thing i found had their interpretation of what they thought the girls were saying over uh, top of that music and there was a lot of question marks yeah yeah and i was like yeah let's just get to the let's get to the song we, we, you skipped straight to the hair thing but the the first verse we'll call it the first spoken word is basically about how to break up with somebody. Yeah. And they're just saying like rip off the bandaid basically. Yeah. Right. Which I actually, it's funny that part. I actually do think it's not terrible dating advice. Like no. now, and I'll tell you what, maybe you guys can answer this question, but in, in the video, so when they start this, they're in a class, and the lead singer obviously is playing the professor, but what class is this where uh, you 
you go in and you uh, you get yelled at because he's actually yelling at them about these things mm-hmm. to their faces. Yeah. It's really interesting. So I, I don't know what the tests would be or the subject matter or the syllabus that he put together for them at the beginning of the year, but just really curious about that. Just just getting his point across, man. This was a, an animated teacher, I guess. But yeah, it, it is crazy how it gets, it gets really intense with this very uh, pretty straightforward advice for teens, I think. I really do. The first verse might actually be my favorite of all of them because there are like... There's a whole portion here that I think about. You know how you talk about like there's those certain songs that you're just like cutting the grass, but in your head, you're just like humming that song. For some reason, I constantly think of it starts at even if you've only gone together for a short time and haven't been too serious, there's still a feeling of rejection when someone says that they prefer the company of others to your exclusive company. But if you're honest and direct and avoid making a flowery emotional speech when you break the news, the boy will respect you for your frankness, and honestly, he'll appreciate the kind of straightforward manner in which you told him the decision. Unless he's a real jerk or crybaby, (laughs) you'll remain friends. Yeah, I love that Chris could mouth along with you (laughs) the entire verse. It's so good. It's such a good opening speech to set up what this song is. Yes. That's probably part of the appeal and fun of a song like this is just as Chris was doing to to know the words. Yeah. To be able to talk along to this is part of the fun just like I've brought up about like it's the end of the world as we know it or yeah. just the any of those songs with a lot of lyrics if you know them if you took the time to like learn them and know them makes you like the song an extra amount. When I covered it I was really afraid I wasn't going to remember the words so I came up with this this genius idea which was that I wrote, I printed the lyrics and bought a 17 magazine and stapled the lyrics inside the 17 magazine oh. so I could look like I was reading out of the magazine. <laughs> Turns out, after listening to this song enough times, out of fear that I would forget the words, didn't need the 17 uh, magazine. I had this thing locked and loaded in my brain. Yeah. It's very much all the high school cliches. Yeah. Of the football star and the popular girl and, and everything like that. Definitely appealed to teens in the 90s. It's, it's, Definitely got that alternative feel and weirdness to it that, honestly, if you're not a surf fan and you're listening, it doesn't really match with the rest of their music. No. They write a lot of really beautiful songs. and like, I mean, they became one of those bands that, like, I think I wrote down the list of all the TV shows that they had their songs in, but, like, it's all, like, One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls, like, How I Met Your Mother. Like, they found a niche mm-hmm. for, like, a CW story type show sure their music fit perfectly like it's just that it's like dawson it's dawson's creek music yeah that's interesting i get you know what not that that's a bad thing like of course you want you would probably love to have your songs in those shows but i think they're a little more than that like the oc they're an oc that's not what i'm getting at i'm getting it i'm getting at there's a little more depth to this because no, no 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 i'm not even saying that like they're just but like those types of shows had a very specific sound that they were going for and it was the indie rock sound and this is not indie rock like this doesn't sound like this sounds like grunge and even the rest of this album doesn't sound that grungy Mm -hmm. compared Mm -hmm. to this song and then like yeah the rest of their career was absolutely they are they are a indie rock band that does interesting things with pretty melodies right right and i think especially the 90s but i think this applies to today too songs a lot of times that become hits have something very strange about them (laughs) there's something memorable and strange and this is someone shouting at (laughs) basically someone shouting at you rules for success as a teen and i think that's memorable 
and relatable. And yeah, it sticks out like a sore thumb in a world of middle of the road songs. Do you think that this song would have even been a hit without the video? Because I feel like without the video, this song makes even less sense to just like hear randomly on the radio. Yeah, I do. I, I mean, I don't think it would have been because I think, first of all, it caught the eye when you saw the because when they would play the the video clips on MTV. Yeah. What they would show you is the hook or the chorus. And that was a very sing-songy, catchy tune. Mm-hmm. I think that caught people's Yeah, them attention. on the football field. I remember that clip. Of the cheerleader? Yeah. yeah. It yeah. would just cut to like Nata Surf playing on the football field in their bright colors. And then you watch the actual video and it's like a much darker, like grainy video inside the classroom. But I think that that brought people in to actually see what this was all about. Yeah. And once you did, it hooked you because again, it was a little bit different. And I have another point too, is the time time period when this came out see to me they sounded a lot like just that song specifically his voice maybe and i don't know what it was but like weezer at the time and i was a huge weezer fan i love the blue album and the sweater song and for me it was kind of like the almost that same sound twinge yeah and it, it just pulled me in so that's why i went out and bought the cd because of that I used to categorize, this is a genre, subgenre that doesn't actually exist, <laughs> but I used to have a, a subgenre in my mind that I called geek rock that was like, like I put like Weezer in there. I put Weedus in there. Like those bands that very much, you're like, these are guys who played D&D in the basement, but also like good music and like formed a band and aren't afraid to like sing about those types of topics. And for a very brief time, I was like, Nata Surf, yeah, they're definitely like a geek rock band. They're not. They're not. This is like the one song that feels like it could have been. But I agree with you. I got, the first time I heard this, I got a Weezer E vibe from it because it just felt like pissed off nerdy kid bitching about the popular kids at school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I don't think it's outlandish to compare Nata Surf to Weezer. I think I think Nata Surf's a little less other than this song. Wacky than Weezer. Weezer yeah. can get a little zany, I guess, in this band other than this song, once again, is pretty straightforward with some, you know, darker sounding songs and, and things like that. I don't think you're not going to hear like a, if you want me to from not a surf really, or, or something like that. But geek rock isn't something that, or whatever nerd rock. I, I feel like that's very much a thing, man. I think that that kind of started with Elvis Costello. Yeah. And, I would put which, like violent femmes in there. Like just those bands that really kind of owned the geeky dorky image. Kind of even feel like there's some bands within the punk rock scene like i might put motion city soundtrack in there i I could see that i i mean honestly the the descendants i would say was kind of a geek rock band in the sense of like milo was very open like i like science right sure (laughs) like i'm gonna go to school for science yeah i think this this song for sure fits in there yeah 96 when I look at what was happening, wow. I, I didn't really realize this, but this is kind of like a borderline, like, is this a hit? Yeah, a little bit. That's why I asked about the music video, because I don't think it would have charted on anything if not for the music video. Yeah, because the song only peaked at number 51 on July 27th, 1996. At the time, Alanis Morissette, You Learn, was the number one song in the country when this song was out. Also, at that time, Give Me One Reason by Tracy Chapman, Because You Loved Me by Celine Dion, and Killing Me Softly by the Fugees were in the charts at that time. But it did a little bit better on the alternative charts. It got to 11 on the alternative charts. Um, and when it got on 
number 11 on the alternative charts in August. At that time, the number one song was Primitive Radio Gods, as it had just unseated Butthole Surfers. Yeah. And then you also had like Spider Webs by No Doubt, Tonight Tonight by The Smashing Pumpkins, and Where It's At by Back on the Radio all at the, the same Primitive time. Primitive Radio Gods song, isn't that another spoken word song? Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. This was the peak of spoken word music on the radio what man all they need to do is throw the streets on there too it could have just been they were they were right around the corner they had maybe what five more years and True. then mike skinner was all uh, all on the radio yeah i loved it what else what other spoken word songs so this was also the following year what i think is like the ultimate of spoken word hits is the sunscreen song by Baz Luhrmann came out. Are you not familiar with the sunscreen song? No. Everybody's free to wear sunscreen. Everyone's going to, I'm crazy. It was literally, they took a graduate, it, a guy reading a graduation speech with like a techno beat behind it. The long-term benefits of sunscreen have been proved by scientists. Whereas the rest of my advice has no basis more reliable than my own meandering experience. I will dispense this advice now. Enjoy the power and beauty of your youth. Oh, never mind. You will not understand the power and beauty of your youth until they fade it. Hey, this is Aaron from No Simple Road. I'm inviting you to come hang out with Apple, Mel, and I as we talk with the musicians, artists, chefs, authors, and beyond from the world that turns us on. We're reaching into the improvisational music scene, the psychedelic culture, the festival world, and getting to know what makes the people tick that create those scenes. Come join us on the long, strange trip over at No Simple Road. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, I remember it now. And this is the guy who did like the... Um, like Romeo plus Juliet. And yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. That. yeah. He put out an album where he just pulled random spoken, like random speeches that he thought were interesting and built music around them. Wow. But that was like a massive hit at one point. <laughs> it was on a now compilation. That's how big it was. Okay. Wow. I didn't remember that one, but there's probably a lot I don't remember. I was going to say 97. That was that was my time of I was too cool for I was the saying, radio. I was like, that's the fat records yeah. days of Chris. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see what you guys think about the the last verse of this song and if if you agree with the advice. So the th- the last verse is I propose we support a month one month limit on going steady. I think it would keep people more able to deal with weird situations and get to know more people. I think if you're ready to go out with Johnny, now's the time to tell him about your one month limit. He won't mind. He'll appreciate your fresh look on dating. And once you've dated someone else, you can date him again. I'm sure he'll like it. Everyone will appreciate it. 
You're so novel. What a good idea. You can keep your time to yourself. You don't need date insurance. You can go out with whoever you want to every boy. Every boy in the whole wide world could be yours if you'll just listen to my plan, The Teenage Guide to Popularity. What? Hmm. That's interesting because I actually think that's pretty good advice for when you're in high school. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I, I And I hate saying this because I have at least two friends that are married like high school romance, but like I don't trust it. I always think that there's there's a breakup around the corner with that. How do you grow and mature simultaneously from 18 into like your 40s and 50s and 60s? I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Do you think high school relationships should even count? I don't even think high school relationships should count. Like, <laughs> I don't think they should even count. I don't know, man. Like, I was always the type to like fall deep into high school relationships. That was of just course. Yeah, my no, thing. Same. And it went terribly every time. <laughs> but but okay, but but what you're telling me is so the girl's gonna sit you down across the table from you and say, Okay, so this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. We're gonna date for a month and then I'm going to date somebody else. So that's all you're going to get. But and she might pick you again eventually. But eventually she has to date every other boy in this high school before she can come back to you. Like there is a possibility of that. I don't know if I'm okay with it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I a lot of prediction, by the way, based on the, I want to, I'm going to Google it and see if it's available on Amazon. I want to buy Penny's Guide. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I want to see, I have a feeling this is the last sentence. I think this is the last paragraph of the book. Yeah. I wow. have a sneaking suspicion that it ends on this. But if it's if it's available on Amazon and not unreasonable, I will purchase this and report back. Yeah, but as far as this song, I mean, this band, like we said, this this band's great. We did talk about this before we recorded, but we talked about how Matthew Cause, the singer of Not a Surf, talked about how like they're screwed with this song at their shows because if they don't play it, people there are going to be people that are mad. If they do play it, the hardcore fans are mad because they don't like the song. So. You know, they backed themselves in a corner with that, but they did set themselves up for a long career past this song. So <laughs> Penny's Guide to Teenage Charm and Popularity is available on Amazon, a hardcore co- uh, hardcore used copy for $285. Wow. So if there's any listeners out there that want to help me do this research, shoot me a message and I'll give you the link in my address. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty wild. A very reasonable $300 purchase for a podcast that has yeah. a couple hundred listeners. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, Not A Surf also did a really awesome cover of someone I consider a one hit wonder, even though they might not be, they might have another hit that I don't know about, but they did a cover of OMDs. If you leave. Oh my God. It's so good. Yeah. They did a really good. They, it's weird. Their Spotify playlist, like they're two of their top five are covers. Mm. And it's that if you leave cover and their cover of where's my mind by the pixies. Oh yeah. The um, most overdone song. <laughs> the, oh my God. I mean, I love that song, but I'm also over anybody playing that yeah, song. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good on that song. Inside of love. I think you mentioned like beautiful song. That song was everywhere. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was always love, but I, I mean, that could be, no, that's two different songs. Maybe it's two. Di- Cause yeah, I'm thinking I, think the, I want to know what it's like no. on the inside. That's not the one I'm talking about. Oh, okay. Cause that one was the one I, that was when I discovered Nata surf had other music. Was that popped up in like a How I Met Your Mother episode or something? I was like, oh, who's this? And then I looked at him like, Nata Surf. Yeah. He's singing though. He's not, he's not just speak, speaking to the audience. You know, I think of Nata Surf and Super Drag as like two of the most like at the same time, very similar style bands. And they both were better than their hit, I think. Yeah. Although I liked the Super Drag hit more than I liked the Not A Surf hit, but they both were able to uh, have a 
career and be a cool, respected band for a lot longer than their hit. They were able to turn their hit into a career, which is a cool thing to do. I always like to think that I could do that if I had that opportunity, or I like to pretend that I, I could, you know, and, and not have that weird situation of you have your hit and then that's the end. I respect them for that. So you're a big fan of this band in general? Yeah. Well, I'm yeah. a, I'm a huge fan of this band. I didn't, fo- well, I, I, let's back up because I didn't necessarily follow them too far past high low. Mm-hmm. So I was a, and I still am a huge fan of that album and I've dabbled in some of their later stuff, but mostly just high low specifically. Yes. And they're right. still, they put out something last year. Yeah, in January yeah. they're, they're still, still they're still going at it, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. I see they even toured with Super Drag. They're like the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, not a surf <laughs> <Sure>. and <laughs> sure. Super Drag. Sure, this kind of goes with your theory, Matt, of all these shows that they were featured on. I didn't know you were actually. You actually looked at the, the, yeah, yeah, I researched it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. One Tree Hill, Gilmore Girls on Gilmore Girls. Yeah, they had a song on Gilmore Girls. Really? I think it was. No, that was Wilco. I was going to say, I think it's a cover of 13 by Big Star, but that was the Wilco cover that Mm. was on Gilmore Girls. The thing that I want to point out that I think is wild, and obviously only one person on this microphone is in a band that could speak to if this is as wild as I think it is, but their careers started when they recorded a demo and they were at a show at the Knitting Factory and they just happened to see the lead singer of the Cars and just walked up to him and was like, hey, this is our band. Would you like to produce it? And he called him like three weeks later and was like, yeah, I dig your sound. Come down to the studio. Right. Let's do something. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, that's the kind of stuff where I, I, I was just talking about this. I think it was, I was talking to you about this kind of stuff where you can work hard and build a fan base and do everything the DIY way and could eventually have a hit in 20 years or something doing it like I put it in quotes, but like the right way or whatever. Or you could just meet somebody and talk to the right person and that could just open a door to you. So I guess my point is like, talk to people. <laughs> That's what's wild is that for Not A Surf, it was talking to Rick Ocasek. Yeah, uh, and for- that leads into like, hey, this sounds like Weezer. Well, same producer. Same producer, right. So oh. I think that's where you you, see, you hear that similar, you see that similar sound. Yeah, I mean, the that intro riff is so similar to sweater song like it's 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 almost like they just were like what's the sweater how does the sweater song played and let's just do the absolute opposite note (laughs) well i mean it's it's very close i mean (laughs) down to the conversation and going on and all that kind of stuff so anyway this song what how how do we feel about is this did it bring the one hit thunder or is this a blunder i don't know i mean i think nata surf as a whole is a thunder and i think honestly you're sitting down and recording high low Whoever it was that heard this song and was like, this is the single that we're putting out is kind of a ballsy move because this, I mean, no, I don't think anyone could have predicted that 96 would be the year of the spoken word at the time that they were recording it. So Mm. I'm going thunder all the way with this one. Hmm. Okay. What do you, I know, I know, Chris, you like the song and the band. And the video. Look, look, guys, I mean, this, this album was phenomenal to me. Like, this is one of my favorite albums of all time. Nice. Nice. And I think this, I think this song was the gateway into allowing people to find Not A Surf. Right. I think this got your attention, like we talked about, right? So Yeah, I guess that's also something to say. Like, I don't know, as good as all of that indie stuff was, would it have ever gone anywhere if people weren't at least vaguely familiar with them because of popular? Right. They could have just been another New York band that like opened for a lot of big bands, but no one ever heard of them. Yeah. I mean, it's a song that catches your attention for sure. It's because it's different, weird. It's it's weird. 
Yeah. And I think that's a lot of times what makes a hit. It's not necessarily like some straightforward, beautiful song. It's more something that jar- jarring. It's yeah. something jarring where you're like, what is that? <laughs> you know? <laughs> and I think that a lot of times some of, you know, you're saying this is one of your favorite albums ever. And a lot of times things that I do not like at all whatsoever become my favorite. We talked about the streets, hated the streets the first time I heard it. Dude, I hated Jimmy World the first time I heard him. <laughs> I, when I, I heard Clarity, first song, Table for Glasses, I thought it was the slowest, lamest. I was like, oh my God, this sucks. Granted, I was rolling to punk rock at the yeah. time, and, <laughs> and, but then it went on to become one of my favorite albums ever. A lot of times, Counting Crows, first time I heard Counting Crows was on, they played on Saturday Night Live and, and I remember watching it with my dad and laughing harder at the Counting Crows than at the skits because I was like, this is horrible. Oh my God. Went on to become one of my favorite. That is my favorite album of all time. August and Everything After is my favorite album of all time. The first time I watched it, I laughed at how terrible it was. <laughs> so, you know, there's something to being jarring catching people's attention, being different. Sometimes it it seems bad to you. And I think we were talking about this earlier, Matt and I, sometimes, and and it's a little harder now because you have all music ever created at your fingertips at all times. So to be able to sit and like, if you went to a record store and bought a record and you spent 20 bucks on it, you're going to be like, well, I'm at least going to give this a good chance. I'm going to listen, even if I don't like the first time, I'm going to listen to it again and again because I spent money on it. And then you might end up loving something that's a little more challenging. You know, it's, it may, you have to like spend the time and, and get into the whole, the album as a whole, you know, there are albums that are created as a work of art in themselves. And maybe if you just take a piece of that, if you take a song of that, that's not enough, you know? So I do think there's, there's value in jarring people's ears and make, make them turn their head and go like, what? Not just some middle of the road average song you know like that people are just like eh, that's fine that's background music this this will make you turn your head when some guy's yelling at you about rules for being a teenager, yeah, how, teenager. To, how often you should wash your hair yeah it's like really getting at you about it and my main point is that i i, I would go with thunder All i would right. go with thunder on it's a very long rounded way to get to thunder <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean three-way you know, thunder it is yeah i, I mean and, and they're a great band you know if somebody's listening to this that hasn't checked out not a surf they're like they're legit. This isn't like, we're not talking about like the Macarena here or something. We're not talking about like novelty music, right? Said Fred or something. We're talking about like a legit awesome band. So, uh, I think we're all, all check them out. Their first three albums are all phenomenal. Check them all out. This has been one hit thunder. One hit thunder is hosted by Chris Fafalios of punchline Pack and another cheetah and produced by matt kelly of geekscape.net underneath me you're hearing time in a picture off the punchline album action visit punchline.com for tour dates new music and merch if you have any interest in podcasting visit we for how chris and i can make your show sound as professional as possible let us know your thoughts on the show by emailing us at one hit thunder podcast at gmail.com And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting app. Tune in next week for another episode of One Hit Thunder.
You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from NoFX, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. Hey you, did you have any plans this year? Ha! How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at Tuesday. 020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.